Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that no longer reports youth unemployment figures. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page from strawman.com. Mr. Page, g'day. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. We're pretty re- good. How are you? Well, we're recording this on Thursday morning, mate, the 17th of August. I'm a bit of a downer, I have to say. Oh, the Aussie no. girls did us absolutely proud, but couldn't quite get over the palms last night. So there's a bit of a pall across... Uh, across much of sport-loving Australia this morning. But uh, one more game to go. They're playing on Saturday night, see if they can knock off the Swedes and take third place. But, oh, mate, the fairy tale was there for the taking, wasn't it? Oh, look, they, they did so well. Didn't they? And the, the goal from Kerr last night was just mm. magic. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, enough. look, you know, proud, proud of the girls, proud yeah. of the team. Yeah. You know, um, there's, there's always next time. There is always next time and, uh, well... Four years' time. But in the meantime, hopefully, things will continue to improve. Just remarkable. Uh, so bloody likeable, can I say? Like, compared to some of the sports you watched, there was no diving. There was no carry-on. There was kind of just... Yeah. They got up. They yeah. got on with it. They had a smile. You think, you know, I don't know. It's, it, they, they, I think they gave a, a bit of a lesson of what professional sports actually could be. Uh, I think you, you, you find yourself watching the game going, you know what? They, they seem... That seems like, you know, pretty good people playing the, playing the sport the best uh, in the right spirit. It's like, that, that's kind of what sport kind of could be, which is, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. It could be a, a male versus female thing there, is that maybe the guys don't sort of present yeah, the best maybe. sort of parts of maybe, <laughs> maybe. nature well, on the sporting yeah. world. I don't know. Maybe, maybe professionalism gets worse eventually over time. Maybe it's the early the early days of uh, kind of, you know, higher profile professionalism in, in, in the soccer, for women's soccer anyway. Maybe over time it, you know, get, gets as bad as the blokes. But finger, fingers crossed anyway. Just, just I thought it was a, yeah. Really, a really cool team to follow. You're proud. You're glad your kids are watching it. All, all those things. It's really, really nice. And yeah, yeah it it couldn't, couldn't quite get it done. But uh, mate, they, they should hold their heads very, very high. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. So let's get back onto. Well, I was going to say back onto you know, a positive frame of mind, and then I was going to talk about China. So let's kick that off. Uh, before I do that, mate, I, I am wondering what, what strawman.com is. And I, I, I just, I, it's kind of ignoring me if I don't ask. So do you mind if I just quickly ask you so we can get on with the rest of the podcast what strawman Please, is? Please, yeah. Yeah, let's get it out, out of the right? way. Okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, we're a private online investment club. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, can I say too, now Please. that you've asked, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shill for a second. We are, we are reopened. Oh, um, we only do it twice a year. Okay. So if you want to network with some uh, pretty savvy private investors, now's your chance. Uh, I let you have a plug last week. That was the, that was the pre-plug. This is the actual plug. <laughs> okay. And the post-plug <laughs> next week, I assume. Post-plug next week. Very and then, good. Then, then I'll shut up for six months. There we go. Strawman.com. <laughs> hey, um, let's go into some, uh, some less awesome news. Two bits of interesting news out of China over the last week, mate. Uh, let's start with the macro as we do. Chinese deflation. Did we talk about that last week? I don't know if we did, but uh, prices in China are now down across the board and their imports from Southeast Asian trading partners down double digit percentage points month on month. Um, it sounds like an economy screeching to an almighty halt, doesn't it? It does. I mean, look, it's such a, it's such a difficult... Look, macro is always a difficult thing to wrap yeah. your head around and Chinese macro uh, even <laughs> yeah, more fair, so fair. when you've got some question marks over mm-hmm. the data. And yeah. two, it's... 
it's a little bit of a different beast. It's often called this command economy mm-hmm. where, you know, there's there are it is right. easier for the powers that be to make, yeah, make stuff that's happen. Right. If you want to come to activity <laughs> grows, you just say to people, make more things and they do. Make it make it happen. Yeah. And that's yeah. not necessarily a good thing, I wanna say. <laughs> I maybe I know it I know it can feel very good yeah. and it is very good if you have sort of like the um benevolent mm. um all all in you know all-wise dictator, then that's actually a probably probably the best system that there is. Um, but yeah, so what do I think of it? I, I think that we know that China went pretty aggressive on the lockdowns mm. with, with COVID. Mm. And that sort of knocked all of the figures and activity for six for a little bit. But it was temporary. And, mm. and the rest of the world sort of opened up earlier and we're a bit of a malaise. But what we kept on hearing from the boffins was when China reopens... Mm. And let's remember, this is the second largest economy in the world. Yes. They're an absolute monster economically, you know, and so much of the world's goods are produced there. It's just sort of like, well, when that happens, that will be the thing that helps catalyze everything and yep. and, and back we go. Which makes some, so, which made sense, right? And I don't think the, yeah. the, the logic that isn't wrong except for the the, the if slash when statement, right? Because the, the, uh, the world's second largest economy going back to historical rates of growth yeah. not only in percentage terms but when you are that big the dollar value of that growth is a, it, it is the the biggest yeah. swing factor globally right oh and and as aussies we is particularly poignant yes. i mean they're our largest trading partner by a pretty decent margin mind you too so it's sort of like it's, it's particularly you know important for us so it looks as though that hasn't happened mm. um uh it it has it it looked did it not happen yeah. or has it happened and then gone away again after kind of they fell back into the slump i, I i'm not entirely sure i've been watching that closely was there a recovery and then a, and then a slowdown or it just hasn't happened at all i think there's been well, i mean from from everyone being locked into their apartments mm. to not then yes it's it's better than that <laughs> True, but it's I mean, not, it's, not, it's not back to it's not back to sort of the no, levels no. I think that most most people were sort of hoping. That's mm, being reflected mm. in the yields and the, uh, that are being sort of traded over there. Mm. Um, uh, you know, youth unemployed. Look, no one stops reporting figures that are good. Mm. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And and for them to sort of say actually, <laughs> uh, and it was a, more than twenty percent on reported figures. So I don't right. want to be too conspiratorial, but you know, there's there's often allegations of figures that are massage. And I don't think that's probably oh, totally. true to, to, to us here. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a conspiracy, by the way. I think, I think it's reasonably. Well, the, the only thing I would say about China, mate, it does go back to your first point, which is when you can make anything happen you want to have happen, you don't need to make yeah. up the numbers. You just create the activity to fill it. So it's kind of like, you yes. know, is, is, is normal China still making activity that big? Well, you know, does that look, you know when, when people say, oh, it's exactly what they forecast. Like, well, of course it is, because they went out and said, hey, to get this number, you have to make this many tons of steel go and make that many tons of steel. And so how about that? Yes. That many tons of steel get made. So there is, there is both the, the figures getting massaged and, and the activity being effectively dictated to make sure the numbers are actually delivered. So somewhere in between there is the, is the reality. Absolutely. So there's all of that. And then <laughs> I, I, I have heard people sort of say, but they'll just stimulate. Yeah. As if, as if that's a cure-all. And, mm. and I, I come back to the, Point that now look you've got to be careful here because there's been a lot of very bearish people on China for a very very long time yes exactly nothing nothing nothing's collapsed mm-hmm. as yet but there are all these ghost cities there are these mm-hmm. railway mm-hmm. lines to nowhere so you know the the the, the party could just say hey build another 10 cities yeah. uh, for yeah. 20 million people each they right, could right. they could yep. absolutely do that right now 
But it, but let's not pretend that that's okay. That's fine. There is, there is always someone holding a bag somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Because the under money has 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 had to have come from somewhere to to build those things or to stimulate in, in those areas that need to be stimulated. If there isn't a viable return on that expenditure, someone's lost out. Mm-hmm. Now it might be that well, no one's lost out because it's the government and the government just created the money. It's like well, we've still had to create that money and therefore that has, that has an impact. stolen yeah. from everyone, right? Yep. Because we've yep. all, all been diluted. So there is, economics isn't physics, right? Like mm-hmm. there are not hard, fast yeah. laws. You're dealing about human action here, but there are certain realities that will come back to bite you. If it wasn't the case, we could all just say, hey, you know, <laughs> Mr. Government, give us all a million dollars. Hey, problem. It, do, it does. It clearly doesn't work, correct, right? Correct. And and it can work for a while and it can work when done very sensibly. This is the whole Keynesian kind mm-hmm. of argument. It's yes, like, exactly. well, we st- stimulate when things are tough and we yep. we we um, take a little froth off the top when it's not and we mm-hmm. sort of help sort of balance kind, kinds of things out. Mm-hmm. But... Um, <laughs> But but that still does rely on sensible spending. You don't say in a recession, okay, let's stimulate everything. The the I think the example from the textbooks is well, let's let's get everyone to put dollar notes in bottles and we'll bury the bottles because that will pay them to do that. It costs a lot of money, and then later on we can dig it up again when when it's needed. It's like well, that's technically economic activity and people <laughs> yeah, have been paid right. and that will boost GDP. Yeah, that's right. that's but there's right. nothing productive there. And yeah, there is, there, you've got to remember that someone has to pay the piper eventually mm-hmm. at some stage. So I, what, what am I saying? So I'm saying that one, it's a little bit disappointing that China hasn't bounced back as, yeah. as strong as that would have been great for all of us. <laughs> um, two, yes, they probably will stimulate. Um, and yes, that'll probably be good. Three, you know, I don't know if it's the free kick that it is, but I'm also hyper aware mm. that, you know, it, 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 it might take 10, 15, 20 years for the chickens to come home to roost as well. So I'm not going to sort of, I'm not crawling into the bunker at, at this point <laughs> either, but it's, it's forever interesting. What do you think? I think, no, I think that's right. I think that's, and I think if I have a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a diet in the wall, card carrying you know, Keynesian policy thinker, right? That, that, you know, the idea of, Stimulating a, a, a sucking economy and retarding somewhat an overheated economy hopefully means that done well, there are fewer extreme events and fewer impacts on people. That 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 and mathematically, it's it, it actually you talk about the fact there's no economics isn't, isn't physics. You're absolutely right, um, except that in a, in I'll say in a perfect world, I will I will backtrack on it a little bit. In a perfect world, the model works right, and so but it, but it requires the model to be operated properly. So maybe it's not a, not physics, but maybe it's a machine. And again, it's not even sounds like an argument for communism as I've made before. Well, it's like if only everyone did the right, right thing, that, that, it would work kind of, wonderfully which, well. Exactly right, which is kind of my point. So, but it, but so it's not it's not physics, but it's more like a machine, right? We know if the machine is used a certain way, you can do certain things with the machine, and and it works. And you know, we also know that it makes more sense to, for example, run a machine at capacity, even if you haven't got demand for it. You stockpile some goods. And then later you can you can do your maintenance while you got excess. You, know, you can manage the machine so that you get the best possible economic outcome, rather than saying, "Well, the machine will just work twenty five hours a day some days and nothing the next day, and twenty five hours the next day." You, you you plan for these things, right? Every 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 production plan uh, goes into some element of, of Keynesianism, right? So, well, we're not going to sell much on a Monday, but by Wednesday we'll need the stock, so we'll make some extra, and then we can make a bit less. We're selling more on Wednesday than we're making, but that's okay because we'll catch up with that. Like these these kind of buffers and 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 reductions of surpluses uh the whole area of inventory and stockpiling i mean these things make sense 
but they do have to be managed properly. And, and to your point, I do think it's as bad as communism, but I think we are in a, in a world where, uh, and we've talked a lot about this in the past, I don't want to overdo the, the kind of repeated um, references to this stuff, but we're in a world where the polys aren't running the machine appropriately. You've got this great machine. The machine's been proven to have worked, or at least... I think I think fairly proven. You know, ninety odd years of Keynesianism. I think we can kind of say it seems to work. I'm going well. to I strongly disagree, but anyway, okay. continue. Yeah. And uh, and we're in a situation where okay, so now when you then start saying, well, that's a good machine, but if we just run a little bit hotter for a little bit longer because we can, and it probably won't break while I'm running it, but then I'm going to leave in a couple of years' time, and then some other poor bastard going to, have to take over the machine and try and work out why it's overheating and and try and fix it without causing problems in the meantime and having massive downtimes because you run the machine way too hot for way too long. That that's my that's my biggest concern about the way the the economies are being. I say economies plural because I literally mean globally. There's a whole lot of politicians who are saying we'll use Keynesian Keynesianism when we want to get more good stuff, but when it's time to kind of you know pay the piper to 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 wind back production, let the machines cool down. We're kind of not prepared to do that because that might hurt and it might be a problem. That's why we've got interest rates that have gone from 0.1 to 4.1, uh, both as low as 0.1 in the first place and as high as 4.1 now in Australia is because governments, plural, both both stripes, by the way, have simply refused to actually follow the, the textbook. They've said, I want all the good stuff. I'll rip out the second half of the textbook. Pretend, that, yeah. to pretend the whole, actually, we exactly. need to do something to make it work. That's my, that's my challenge. And I don't think, I think this, I mean, it gets pretty theoretical pretty quickly. The question is, is the model wrong or is the model being used badly? At one level, it doesn't matter because if the end result is the end result, then that's the end result. But it also is, if we're going to say, well, there should be a better model, any model we suggest should... It's like the bloody modern monetary theory people, right? Uh, they want to create all this money and pretend it's all possible and there'll be people yelling at the thing. They're, they're very, very passionate, these MMT people. And like, yeah, well, it'll work because all we have to do is get policies to increase taxes to, to restrain inflation. Yeah, never going to happen. And that's, right. that's, why that's, exactly. that's the killer blow. So, exactly. So, yeah. so models that work maybe, can it be used properly? No, okay. So if we're, if we're in the business of outcomes, then the question really is which model is likely to have the best outcome in, in reality as well as as well as in theory. And it doesn't mean we can't expect or require or ask or, or lobby our politicians to be better managers. But so yeah, sorry, long answer, mate. I I think China's in some trouble. I think uh, by the way, I think it'll come good because it's the it's the world's largest economy and it will grow over time because people want to improve their lives. And I think, you know, for all of the criticism, valid criticism of capitalism, uh, as much as China's a command state, it's kind of a command capitalist state if those things can actually be true at the same time. Uh, I think the Chinese people and the Chinese government for, for its own selfish purposes will find a way over time to improve things there and that should improve things globally. Whether we have some choppy orders to sail through, I think that's becoming increasingly likely. What's a bit, uh, I'll get dark for a second here. What's, <laughs> what's a bit scary is yeah. that when you've got, you know, let's say one in four youth unemployed, yeah. um, you know what's a really good use for youth? Uh, <laughs> that is dark, dude. Cannon fire, you, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and you know what, yeah. you know what's really good use for stimulating? Like, mm-hmm. let's let's build some aircraft carriers, let's yep. build some tanks. Yep. You know, we've got a whole bunch of unemployed kids that mm-hmm. we can sort of put on the, like, you know. And I, I it, it's really dark, but I mean, again, any student of history would sort of say it tends to be something that um, that governments can sort of lean towards for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because there is just the sort of uh, empire building urge that that old men tend to for whatever reason uh, have <laughs> particularly when 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 you when you're guaranteed to like continue wearing the crown but it's also a wonderful way to distract the populace who are who are being increasingly impoverished from difficult economic scenarios as well so who knows i'm not i'm not calling for it but it does tend to enhance the odds 
mm. of that. And we've, we've already yeah. seen a lot of saber rattling. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's economic prosperity is good for living standards, but I also strongly argue it's good for peace. Yeah, and, 100%. And, you know what I mean? So it's just sort of like it's in no one's interest mm-hmm. for things to go uh, to get continually worse. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it is, is, is all, all we can kind we of We will. Say, and I look, as, as ever, the question is what do you do differently or what do you do as a result? I don't think there's anything you mm. can or, or will do. Um, I think I, 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 will, I will make a general comment, which is just um, a boring one. And I don't care because boring is important. Um, just, just I, I be diversified in your portfolio. Um, the people who say this happened over the past five years, therefore this is the way to make money over the next five years in whatever fashion. And I am, I am literally talking about I own Fortescue shares. I've said before, but I am talking about iron ore miners, particularly here or miners in general. The, the the whole exposed to China trade is great, and maybe it's fine. And I'm not saying you shouldn't own them. What I am saying is. Don't don't do the whole China's taking so much strain and still these miners have gone fantastically well, therefore they always must. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the same with anything else. Same with pick your pick your, your category. There's not a not a, a ping at miners at all. Um, it is just to say that, you know, don't put don't create a portfolio where certain preconditions need to be true now and forever for you to make money and it's a death or glory bet on a binary outcome, right? There's just yeah. there's that's that's not investing, that's gambling slash speculating. Um you know, just 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 be mindful of that. So, you know, if China recovers and it's all a non-issue, then great. If it doesn't, well, then you'd want to make sure your portfolio isn't completely exposed to that needing to be true, even if you think it's going to be. Even if you think, and this is the worst place, well, it should be true because I want it to be true. Those those are all fine. Just remember that mm. the, the world doesn't have to do what you want it to do, right? The I don't want to go too far into the ethical investing thing again, but I will say that ethical investors who say, well, I want the world to be clean and therefore I'm going to invest in clean fuels because that will be the future. I mean, maybe it will, and and I hope it will, and you hope it will, and that's all fine. But just don't don't bet. <laughs> we just talked about you know politicians doing what they should be doing. If you, if you work the Keynesian levers properly, you do it. You're doing fine, except they don't. So okay, well then you need to allow for the world we're in, not the world you wish was true. Because uh, I wish I was a millionaire, and I wish I was a millionaire because my wishes come true. Guess what? Those things aren't necessarily repeatable. Speaking of that, did you see the latest? Um uh, so when Lowe had to front up to the estimates committee or whatever it's called, the, yeah, I don't, yeah. the media love to report it as a grilling. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, just, and the politicians like, throw some stupid cheap shot, you know, qu- you know questions at him. It's so look theater. Like oh, it is absolutely theater. Pure theater for yep. the masses. Yep. Like, yep. So depressing. Yeah. Um, but, it, and you know, he was a gentleman about things. He said, like, get everyone hates me, but like, you guys should probably take some, you know, he he said it as 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 politely yep. as he could, but yep. it was sort of like, well, everyone hates me because I'm doing what mm-hmm. you guys need to be doing a little bit Correct. as well. Correct. What you what you yeah. left for me to do, I, yeah. I was I was when you, when when you knocked on the door, I opened it. There was a, a you know burning pile of poo in a brown bag. Yeah. What did you want me to do with that? You know. Yep. And he said it was like oh, it's really really blunt. Yeah. And all these people are hurting. And like, well, what else, what else do I? I've got one lever here, and you're you're giving me no choice on it. And so I'm not. I'm not going to be an apologist for a central banker, but I, I think he does make a really excellent point here. And this is the difficulty with just a little bit full circle with, with yeah. Keynesianism, yeah. as you've touched on before. It's just like no politician who wants to stay in power yep. is going to do the hard thing, the thing that needs to be done, the necessary thing, because yeah. it yeah. just doesn't get you a, it doesn't get you elected. So which finds us in this yeah. very, very difficult yeah. 
scenario and yeah with it's one exception a mate, with one exception mm. which is i i am i'm going to be pollyanna and optimist and all that kind of stuff for a while right that is absolutely true of the current circumstances we find ourselves in but it wasn't always the case i mean pollies have always been self-serving but they were they were decent people of very different ideological beliefs who who had a vision for a better country and prepared to put their you know careers and and beliefs on the line to try and make things better and i am not going to give up yet maybe this is optimistic maybe this is even stupid but i'm not going to give up yet on on our ability as as a society to get back to that if we want it badly enough so my, my call for our listeners is not to give up hope is to say you know what yes they are self-serving so-and-sos often and more often than they used to be i think it's absolutely true to say you're only going to have one you and i've been around for a while some of us have been around for longer uh, you go back to the Hawke, Keating, Howard years and, and very, very different politicians, all three of those guys. But love them or hate them, they had conviction and they wanted to do a thing. Um, the current lot generally, not the current government only, but the current lot of politicians generally are so desperately scared of being unpopular, or maybe losing a couple of votes in a focus group that they're not prepared to do anything. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I'm not prepared to accept that we can't go back there. Uh, so I'm not giving up on the idea, but your, your point is absolutely valid, mate. I don't think since... I mean, geez, Kevin Rudd had some ideas, maybe pre-election, um, and then got to the 24-hour news cycle, and he kind of started that palaver that we've kind of you know had with every other politician and government since um, the, the desperation for you know anything but losing power. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm an optimist, but I will remain an optimist hopefully until I die. But uh, I reckon it's up to us to demand more from our from our police. Yeah, it's it's um, oh gosh, this is a slippery slope. But there's there is. Um have you heard of the fourth turning or the, oh, the Strauss Howe generational theory? Don't do this. Which is very quickly, I'll say. Oh. You're, you're the boy who doesn't is... believe in market timing and chart reading, right? Now go on. Oh, I don't. I don't. I would never trade around it. But it's okay, this, it's, it's uh, basically <laughs> nicely summarised by hard times make hard men, yeah. soft times lead to soft men. Again, yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's a, again unnecessarily gendered, but that's mm-hmm. the saying. Yeah. And um, so what you have is that you have this. You know, let's go back a hundred years, right? So. Yeah. Look at the big world wars, horrible times. Really, you need, need a crisis and yep. people sort of stand up and reality kind of stra- slaps humanity in the face and like, we've got to make some tough decisions. We've got to do some mm, difficult mm, things. Mm. And you get this generation, our grandparents' generation, who went through all of that and who were very, you know, averse to debt, worked very hard, saved mm-hmm. very hard. You know, we had the leaders, the Churchills, that would never, ever yes, yes, get yes. elected in good times. Because and and they, didn't we, Churchill lost power after the war because people went, oh, we're bored of you absolutely. now. We've, we've had the war. Let's move on. <laughs> absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so then those, those, that generation grows up mm-hmm. and they have children who sort of, sort of yeah. solidify the advantages that are made. And then they have children and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, life's really good. It's mm-hmm. really easy. Oh, it turns out that, you know, I'm, you know this person over here is mm. uh, promising me, you know, um, Bread and circuses. Yeah. Yeah, bread. You know, it's like, great, I'm going to go for that. It's it's why why I I think the. I'm not saying I buy into this necessarily, although just there's interesting (laughs) ideas to it, which is that we. Democracy tends to trend towards these cycles of sort of very difficult times, crisis, and then, you know, prosperity, uh, indulgence. And then back to crisis again. And if if you put any stock in that, we're more towards the latter end of that, where we're all just going for give me, give me, give me, give me. Um, you know, I'm not making any hard decisions for the future. We have these really weak um, populist uh, uh, leaders, yeah. um, and it 
you know, it, 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 it may lead to something that's just very difficult. And again, I've pointed out in the US in particular just how unsustainable they are on fiscally as a path. It's just, again, it's just maths here. I'm not, not saying I don't think mm-hmm. anything that's too mm-hmm. controversial. In fact, extraordinarily objective uh, in, that, in that point. And then you, it, it tends to lead to more of a dictatorial kind of leadership mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or at least one that is much more hard-nosed and when we get to the point where it's like, okay, we need, yeah. we need to get serious and we need an adult to enter the room here. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I, I guess the, the just you reminded me of it when you're talking about, well, in the past we've had these leaders and I yeah. think, yeah, we yeah. probably did at the time. I, I look around at the political landscape now here abroad in the West in general. It's a clown show, mm-hmm. frankly, from both sides. Yep. You know, let's let's talk about Albo's latest, you know, thought bubble um, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and I think that's what's probably different now. And we've all had it so good for so long that we 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 may be sowing sowing the seeds of our not destruction. That's too harsh a term, but like <laughs> for more difficult times ahead. Yeah, I think so. I, I I I'm I don't think anything you say is is wrong. Absolutely, and I think. Um, I, I, I tend just to treat these things as descriptive rather than prescriptive. That is, yes, you know, trying yes. try to work out where are we and where are we going to be is, is I think, a little bit silly. It's a mug's game. I'm going to, okay. again, offend a whole lot of other people. So the MT has already, already hate me. Sad to know the fourth turning fans. Um, I, because yeah, it goes back to what we've talked before about the fact people just want to believe there's a, there's a cycle, there's a thing, there's something to believe in. If it's not God, it's not, you know, it's market cycles. It's like, oh, that's going to happen next. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think descriptively, I think that's 100% right. In fact, we see yeah. it in little micro cycles. I don't want to pretend it's a cycle. Little micro movements. There's, there's the, again, apologies for the gender um, terms. This is what it's described as. I'll come up with a new name soon. But the mummy-daddy theory of politics, um, yeah. which is, you know, when things are going well, you want mummy, right? Who's going to help you and give you nice things. And that tends to be the left. And then when things are tough, you want daddy to come and be a bit more stricter and say, no, no, you can't do that. This is what we're going to have to do. It, it's kind of a version of the same thing. And I've got to say, mate, if you think about Australian politics, um, Labor elected in 07, which was the absolute pre-GFC peak boom, right? Yep. They get elected again in 2022 when the COVID money is sloshing all around the place. We're through COVID. Everything's okay. And now I can kind of imagine a better future with, you know, a voice and other things. And we're not going to get into any of that. But, um, you know, we, we kind of, when we're comfortable enough, we like to turn our attention to maybe making the world a better place. As soon as we think things are a little bit hard, we go, oh, yeah, I might worry about me and my job and my taxes at the moment. Thank you very much. And so you didn't, mm-hmm. you tend, and again, I, there's people there who are always Labor voters, people who are always Liberal voters. Not to make you guys, you're, you're the rusted ons, that's cool. But I'm talking about the, the, the swinging voters in the middle who are like, Oh, I think we probably need to be a little bit more serious right now. Let's let's go with the let's go with the the, the, the man in the dark suit who who promises to make my life better because it's gonna you know fix all the broken things. And the good times like well, let's go with a nice man over there in the in the in the white suit who's gonna you know promise me beer and skittles and roses and and everything else because we can. And I want to be nice to people. I think we all do. So if I'm feeling comfortable myself, I can afford to feel good about this stuff. So let's go and do those things. Um, it it I, I if you look at the last. I mean, frankly, even back to the early '80s, frankly, but but certainly the '90s and beyond, it, that that's been that that's been the reality. Now, coincidence, maybe, is it predictive? I don't know, but it, it seems very clearly to me, at least, that you know, you draw the economic cycles and you draw the the, the parties who are, uh, you know, returned to power or or put into power. Um, it, it's I don't know, it's hard hard to hard to ignore, hard to debate. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should, really we back, is. should we get back to business? Well, let's 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 talk about the the housing um, situation, right? Oh, so, yeah. uh, give give us lay out. Like, you'll do better at a job of it than me. Lay out the <laughs> the the latest policy <laughs> announcement. Oh man, see, look, I <laughs> I I don't know. As much as I'm an optimist, and I am, um, 
you also you also look at this stuff and think, you know, whoever's in parliament or in power, sorry, just manages to to really cause some troubles. Here's I'm gonna, I'm not going to try and describe it. I'm going to read the first two paragraphs of the AFR article. Quote: The Albanese government has offered state and local councils three and a half billion dollars to fast track the construction of 1.2 million homes over the next five years in a bid to boost housing supply. Less than two months after giving the states a one-off $2 billion grant to immediately build a refurbished social and affordable housing, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese put $3 billion in performance bonuses on the table to encourage the states to accelerate land release, planning and approvals, uh, processes to build well-located homes. End quote. Um, it was a million dollars this time last year. Now it's one point, oh, sorry, a million homes. Now it's 1.2 million homes. There was a meeting of so-called National Cabot. It used to be called the Chogham... No, it wasn't. COAG, Commonwealth of Australian... Council of Australian Governments. Uh, now called mm-hmm. the National Cabinet because that apparently sounds better and the polis like it more. Um, well, they all got together and said, you know what, we should really build more houses. Let, let's, let's have a new target and some new money sloshing around and that'll, that'll solve the problem. Um, by the way, the Master Builders Association loved it, as did the Housing Industry Association. Colour me surprised. Oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, 1.2 million extra homes... Over five years. So that's 240,000 extra homes a year. Extra homes a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know I don't, I don't know how many homes, I don't know how many trades you need to build a home per year, but I'm assuming there's not 100,000 tradies who are just lounging around waiting for a call up from Albo. Oh, We've look, never I'm, built at that pace. I'm in, I don't I'm think- in, I'm in Bali, yeah. Albo, but look, give me a call. As soon as you say the word, we're going to come build 200, a quarter of a million extra somewhere, God knows where, but somewhere. We're going to be in the right place at the right time with the right materials and the right free workers who won't do anything else. And we're going to stop what we're doing and build houses. That's not going to be inflationary at all. I'm not going to ask for more money. Uh, the cost of building insurance isn't going to go up at all. Uh, planning, material, planning approvals will be fine. And look, these things are all shovel ready. They're not going to take any time to, to build and draft and change and knock down and prepare. And I, I just, I don't, uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm an optimist, but I'm also, I'm also a skeptic. And I just think, the, the, the ridiculousness of this idea. Um, I, I bagged the last government a million times on this podcast. You know that, our listeners know that as well. But fair income, mate, if Albert keeps announcing stuff that can't be done for the sake of a press release, I, I don't mm-hmm. even know. I don't even know, mate. There's, you know, again, right-wing governments tend to like, oh, private enterprise will fix all this, just throw them some money. Um, left-wing governments tend to like five-year plans with big amounts of money and proposals and plans and programs. But... It, it, is, is, is it not just complete window dressing? What, what am I missing? No, it is. It's com- I mean, this is what's so infuriating about it is that the, the lack of basic economic literacy amongst our elected leaders. <laughs> oh, but it's not you that, know, mate. It's, I, I, it's I, not, I, you yeah, can't, I'm you can't sure believe they don't, you can't believe they don't know, surely. They, they, well, that's what's know. so, mate, that's even more depressing. I know. Because even if yeah. they don't know, I mean, I would, I would, look, when you've got, the reins of power. I mean, how mm-hmm. can you possibly be an expert on all the things you need to be an expert on? Yeah. Unfortunately, you don't have to be because you have advisors <laughs> have who are, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and you know, and they will, or or maybe some some uh, 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 mm. consultants, as as the case may be, more lately. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> so you would at least sort of say, you know, you can imagine the king's court, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Your Majesty, there's a there's a problem. Okay, and then you bring the wise mm-hmm. men in, and they'll say, "Well, Your Majesty, here's here's some solutions, and you can sort of make your 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 best mm-hmm. judgment on mm-hmm. all of that." And you go, yeah. "That's all really interesting, but if I say this, the people <laughs> yeah, will really love it." Right. Exactly. And and <laughs> because, I guess you know, go on, go. On. Well, I was going to say, here's here's the you know the thing that no one will say is the reality is, and I've 
I've certainly been happy to say it before <laughs> and I'll say it again. What I want to do is this impossible task of making housing much more affordable for everyone <laughs> by not making everyone's houses, because a lot of us have houses. Yeah. A lot of us have multiple houses. Yeah. I say us, not me, yeah, <laughs> as people me. well know. Yes. <laughs> but but um, I don't want your house to go down because that's where all your wealth <laughs> is stored, but I want it to be more affordable. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's an yeah, impossible, exactly. you cannot exactly. square yes. that circle. I, I want it to be the same price, but also more affordable at the same time. Uh, okay, how does how does that work? It doesn't work. It's impossible to kind of work. And so, as you rightly say, there's there is a pragmatic angle to this. It's just like I I think people have been building as far like you don't need a, to convince a developer to build more, right? Particularly mm-hmm. when they can flip it for what they can flip it for yeah, and build exactly. it really dodgily and all the rest of it. And yeah. and 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 they've been going in a helpful leather. And it's still. And here's the other thing too. And this is let me say right at the out set that I am very much a um, uh, big Australia kind of person. Mm. I think um, immigration, well, we're a country of immigrants and I mm-hmm. think it, it strengthens us and the rest of us. But when you've got 400,000 people coming into the country a year, and know you know, what, where, where, where like you know, cream. okay, you're building all these houses, it's still not enough to keep up with yeah. demand. Yeah. Right. It's just, again, you can have ideology, but it's always a real maths is a really good yeah. foundational. <laughs> maths maths is physics. It is an absolute. <laughs> it is. It's an absolute discipline. Like there is no, there is no. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You know, there's, there's no. I can't make one plus one equal three, no matter how Correct. much I try. Exactly. Exactly. I, I that's the beauty of, of maths, right? No, so no. That's what you get to there, but other than that, we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and so you've got. You've got what's the vacancy rate on rentals is like historic lows, like one percent in mm. Sydney and places like that. Mm. Um, you're not nearly building enough houses where you are building it. It's not nearly in the places where they often need oh. to be. And you've got four hundred thousand people coming. It's just it's, you've got you've got basically a, a city the size of Canberra mm. entering our country yeah. every year. Every year, right? Right, and it's just like, well, you need to start building four hundred thousand houses a year, or apartments, or whatever it is a year, yep. just to. And, and it's no good to build that in the middle of the Simpson Desert, yep. right? Like yep. it needs to be where people actually need to work. And so it's so it's all a, it's all a farce. It's all a show. It's all horribly depressing. Mm-hmm. This comes back to the earlier thing that we were sort of touching on: is that the true solutions are very painful. Mm. Yeah. Really painful, yeah. Yeah. right? And it's going to re- result in a lot of people copying and, and feeling some pain. Mm. And and no politician is going to do that. Like, yeah. just not a, not anyone that's sensible enough that wants to stay in power. So we're going to go on our merry way. We're going to have ridiculously mm. unaffordable housing, um, and we're we're not going to do anything about it. You mm. know, there was a great there was a great. I'll, um, bit in the where was it it might have been the wall street let me quick i've got it here uh i think it was the wall street journal they they did this piece where they said six only 16 percent of californians can afford to buy a home yeah and they just did it on some basic mass i'll give a shout out here to Tarek brooker the avid commentator on twitter he basically just did it for for australia and i haven't i haven't i haven't verified the figures for myself so maybe you got it wrong but he basically said, assuming that people need a 20% deposit, assuming they take a 30-year mortgage, assuming that people have to pay property taxes, pretty safe assumption, <laughs> and assuming that they'll have to dedicate 30% of their income to servicing uh, housing, this is, this is on a 
pre-tax basis. Now you can argue that oh no, people people will be able to dedicate much more of that. But he's just he's, he's, yeah. he's chosen those numbers to replicate the study. Give us some assumptions. Yeah, yeah. And and it says that for Sydney, a household, mm. so two of two people in most traditional households will need to earn three hundred twenty-six thousand dollars to afford the median priced home. Not not the one yeah, on the yeah, harbour. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. median priced home, and a. Like maths, make for the, for Melbourne, it's a bit better. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's two hundred and twenty k, but they they're they're staggering, staggering numbers, and so <laughs> I don't know what to do. We can we can do it for a time when banks are throwing credit at us, mm-hmm. right? When everything is purchased on equity, mate, and like, but 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 when you actually come to the hard, put your nose to the the grindstone here, mm-hmm. of of. What is the economic energy that needs to be expended for you to shelter yourself on yeah. a median home? Again, yeah. not yeah. saying a five-bedroom McMansion somewhere. I'm just saying the median sort of home. You and your partner need to be pre-tax on 326000 a year. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have to guess at what the numbers are because the <laughs> ABS publishes it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think at last time I checked, I think the median salary is something like 80 grand per person. Right. Uh, I think in Sydney it, it might be a little bit higher, but on a household basis, you know, you're sort of looking at around 130 to 150 kind of carry a year. So it's like not even close to half what it needs mm. to be there. And again, there's a mathematical argument that's just going to suggest that this is not sustainable. Mm. So, so again, does this mean that everything's going to crash and 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 spiral into a you know some horrible kind of outcome? Mm. Well, maybe, but not not necessarily. But my argument as and remains and is, is a high conviction is, is that for it to continue to grow, I yeah, think correct. too many of us just go, oh, property doubles every 10 years. Like, well, does it? Okay. I mean, just do the maths on mm-hmm. that. So now you might there'll be people out there who'll go, well, actually, I think, I think 326,000 household income is actually unreasonable because people should be able to dedicate 60% of their money to housing themselves. Right, or, right, okay. Right. But whatever. Um, but, but okay, let's, let's grow that by 7% and let's, I mean, you fold a piece of paper 42 times, you're at the moon, right? Like these, these things compound up to very high levels and it's just going to be increasingly harder. You, you're, you're, you've got a bungee cord tied to a pole and you're walking left, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's getting a bit taut. It's getting a bit taut. Can you walk further? further? Probably. Can you try harder? Probably. Mm-hmm. But at a point, it just gets where it's sort of like, it's like approaching the speed of light. Like the, <laughs> the closer you get, the harder it gets to, to go any, any faster. And I just, it, I just despair at the whole situation. Give me some, give me some optimism here. Um, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I guess that's where your kind of key thought and my key thought and kind of where they'll coalesce, right? Which is, let's say we have housing which is borderline slash over the border of unaffordable. Mm-hmm. And we have vacancy rates which are reasonably tiny, and that's kind of the same thing, right? Why why do house mm-hmm. prices stay so high? Because there's more demand than supply. Then mm-hmm. let's say we're adding four hundred thousand immigrants, call it three hundred, call it two hundred thousand, doesn't really matter. By the way, four hundred thousand people a year coming into the country for a decade makes Australia twenty five percent bigger. There's a, if you've seen twenty five percent more dwellings in your suburb or the suburb across, good luck mm-hmm. to you because they're going to have to go somewhere, right? And that's mm-hmm. this is, and, and I'm not as much of a fan of big Australia as you are. Um, Again, let me be really, really clear. I have nothing against immigration or immigrants at all. I don't care where they come from as long as they're appropriate for our country. Um, 
we we can and should have a responsibility for refugees so that's all that's all true i'm not i'm not a zero immigration guy i am a guy who says hey there's a natural limit and i don't know where that is but we should be talking about what that is um for planning societal cohesion environmental reasons frankly my biggest issue is environmental right now um we know that dams around the country during the last el nino were you know effectively at zero in many places including country towns where people say send me out to the bush there's plenty of space out there it's like well there is but there's no bloody water so you know mm-hmm. good luck to you if i don't know what you think they're going to drink so um you know my, my biggest issue is probably environmental um but not in, in any of these cases the conversations around the societal outcomes not the not the not the economic ones uh people say to me oh we need immigration because yeah economic growth well doesn't if we're all having a smaller piece of a larger pie guess what dude that's profitless prosperity that that's a complete waste of time so let's have that conversation about how big how big in australia do we want how many people do we want and when where will they go and can we house them what impact does that have on us as current residents citizens of australia and the house price problems you just talked about mate house prices don't come down until we have less demand or more supply or both mm-hmm. because that's that's economics 101 literally mm-hmm. that's how the market's mm-hmm. supposed to work when something's that, that's about as close as to a, a, a law of physics as you get in right. economics yeah. really yeah. supply and demand yeah it really is i mean there's substitutes and other things you get but that that's representing sure. that line right so so what do you do i mean phil Lowe, i can't love him i i do like i do like phil Lowe. he really shouldn't be giving public pronouncements he said oh people should move in with their friends and you know oh. i mean it was it was not it was read not the, the room dude read exactly. the room and you know yeah. what it wasn't it, this is the thing it wasn't even wrong it was just silly and in the context of a clickbait a clickbait gotcha media uh you know he really should have thought about what he said but i you know the 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 thing is that was that was the other side of the supply demand thing and this is as you said what Lowe didn't say by the way can you imagine having to front the senate you've been, your boss has given you the the backside he's given you the result you're out and you still got to go to parliament and answer the bloody, you know, um, shouty senators and 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 uh, representatives who just want their five minutes of, of of fame being reported in the papers as they say something nasty to Phil Lowe. I don't know. Is there a worse? You know, when have you given notice to a company? Last four weeks you're working out. It's like, oh, this is just. I hate this, and it's boring, terrible, and can't this be over, please? Phil Lowe's got that, and he's got to go and speak to Senate estimates on a bloody, you know, uh, live stream around the country. Um, but you know that that supply and demand. His, his point was. Prices will start coming down when people choose to not create new households and household sizes get bigger because they're responding to prices. He's not wrong. He's describing supply and demand just as we just did. Um, the fact that he said it the way he said it was just, yeah, not, not, not yeah. particularly great. Not um, but, great but is that, yeah. but is that, is that as you said, as close to a law as it gets, supply and demand, that's what's yeah. going to happen. And yeah. Albo is saying we're going to build, you know, apparently 240,000 extra houses somehow magically out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Um, it strikes me as Bob Hawke's No Child Living in Poverty kind of comments. Like, yeah. <laughs> either, either he'll be out of politics and won't care, or he'll be in politics and he will lose that election because people look back and say, dude, where are your 1.2 million homes? Oh, well, it's the state's fault. Like, well, you were kind of, you know, it's your plan, your announcement. What the hell are you doing? Uh, just, you know what I can't get, mate? I, I, I would probably be a terrible politician because I'd look at this. Someone say, well, what you should say is this. I'm like, but dude, it can't happen in five years' time. I'm going to have to be accountable for that. So why would I say that thing? Now, mm-hmm. they don't think about that. They worry about today and next week and they'll worry about the future when it comes. But, you know, Hawks, Hawks, 1990, No Child Living in Poverty thing and plenty of others. It's just this Keating's recession we had to have. They're, just, they're made, absolutely made yeah. for you to be hung by your own, hoist your own petard. And, and I don't yeah. know, I'm yeah. not surprised that it happens. I am surprised they keep doing it. It just, it strikes me as, I know they've got to say something. I know they're expected to do something, but it just feels bananas. I mean, I will say, I will say, 
I agree that we need more supply, right? Like let's yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's start making moves towards that. Yep. Um, let's have a real think about how we want to do that yep. e exactly and we do it in a sustainable way and do it in a way that I often walk around my suburb. I work from home, so I, I, I do go I do walk a bit mm -hmm. because otherwise I just get deep vein thrombosis uh, at my desk. And you look at the houses built in the last 10 years, they're already sort of falling apart. And then you love, you pass these lovely 60s bungalows and stuff. And like, they, they need a little bit of love, but they're as solid as a rock, right? And like, they're like 60 years old and they're just going as strong as ever. And I feel as though there is something to be said for, uh, there's a false economy, mm -hmm. I think, at play. Not only, you mentioned before of like these building materials and mm -hmm. costs going up a lot. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Something feels broken when that can be true, and yet the quality of all, everything that we're building is going down. So even of the supply that we are creating, yep. we just seem to like have no imagination beyond two bedroom units. As if like every family in the <laughs> world is right. going to live in a two bedroom yeah. unit yeah. next to the airport. It's like, well, I'm not saying everyone needs a four bedroom house on a quarter acre block, but yep. there are town. There's there's a whole, there's a lot of there's a lot of in between in in there. Um, but just anyway, so what, what I'm really saying here is, is that, yes, you're right to sort of talk about supply. That is absolutely the, the case. But it's got to be realistic. It's got to be done mm -hmm. in a, in a um, uh, uh, and it's got to be balanced against the kind of demand that we are creating. We do have control yep. over yep. the demand to some extent. And there are a million other things that we could do. We have so much control of the demand. That, that, the thing that gets yeah. me, mate, for all of, whether we believe in a big Australia or not, that's a, that's, that's a bigger policy question. Right, literally right now. I, can, I, can, I, can I read my, this is, I, I, I'm often not super proud of my tweets. I think this one was one I, I, I'm pretty sure I got it roughly right, right? And talking about the, the, the price of housing, I like kind of stuff. I'm just, here's what I wrote. I said, if you had more people coming into Stadium Australia last night than you had seats for, you might announce a 10-year plan to build more seats. But in the meantime, you'd probably limit the number of people entering the stadium. Yep. Yep. I just don't think I it's harder than that. I just I don't think it's harder I'd argue with it though, right, isn't it? Like, and, yeah. and again, you can say, hey, let's build a 200,000 seat stadium. We can have an argument about whether that's the right size for a stadium. Let's do that. But in the meantime, you, you, you want the right number of people for the seats you've got. I just, I just don't... These, aren't, these, these can be concurrent conversations, but there's a temporal reality um, here's me using big words. There's a reality about the time. Like chronologically, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to build a house for five people. Okay, well, the house isn't built yet. So having those five people is not a good idea. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay, let's let's build the house. And then when it's ready, or almost almost ready, yeah, we're ready in a couple of weeks. Then great. Yeah. Open the doors, open the gates, let them in. Great. Good job. Well done. That That's how you balance supply and demand. So to do the reverse, it's just, I, I have to, I, I can't, I don't get too much into the politics, mate. I, I don't believe they don't know. So I, wow. I, have to, I have to believe that either they're doing it because they want the, the economy, in quotes, to grow and be, be responsible for that and somehow dig themselves out of a problem that they'll create if it doesn't happen, or they are so scared to talk about population because it becomes immigration because then it becomes, you know, Paul and Hanson um, xenophobia and, and ignorant racism. I, do, I, don't know, I don't know why, if you're a poly this is such an unspeakable reality even in the even if you believe in a 50 million australia which is not my mm -hmm. thing but might be your thing in either mm -hmm. way even if you do to then say so we should not make any change in the short term because of the current problems what i don't know i just i really honestly what am i missing what what's what what's the well what's if the, i was a cynic and yeah. i was saying that one third of australians own their house outright another third uh own mm. it in part mm. 
so the majority of Australians have got skin yeah. in the game. They're on the property and ladder, and they're on the ladder. <laughs> they're on the ladder. They're not. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Sorry. They, they, so. I kind of, if I'm in that bucket, mm. you know, it's, it's funny. It was a, this guy just nailed it on the, I don't remember what network it was, but I was mm. watching the news once and they were interviewing some uh, new homeowner <laughs> and he was saying, you know, I used to be all about prices coming down, but now I want them to go up. <laughs> he just, he just, he just yep. said it. It was, a, it was a real Aussie kind of way. And I just thought, yeah. oh man, you've, so, and it's, He's right. Yeah, He's yeah. right. You know, it's like a, any Futurama fans will know too. There's an episode there where... They, um, they, they float the company and it's like, you know, all of a sudden I've got an opinion on the capital gains tax. Right? It's sort <laughs> yeah. of, yeah, we're, so we're, and, and it's, it's it, all of this stuff, if you want to sort of look mm. uh, objectively from a higher level and what sort of needs to be done in aggregate to make mm. sure this, that and the other, you can sort of have <laughs> a certain view and maybe uh, I'd like to think that's the way we're coming at it. Yeah. But if you want to come at it as in like, you know, make, my, make me richer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually... Stimulate a bunch of demand. I'm, I've, I'm on the ladder, right? I've got my, I've got my foot on, on, on keep one of the rungs here. Yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. it going up. How yeah. do you make it keep going? Up? Just increase demand. Increase yeah. demand. Yeah. You know, and which is why, again, my long held belief is the RBA will roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> they will roll. They will have to roll, and we, they, they will do it at the cost of other areas because, because it, it is the phrase "too big to fail" was mm -hmm. a term that got sort of came to the, the fore in the GFC. It, it's the same with the housing market now. Yeah. It is too big to fail. Um, all of our major banks would be in massive trouble if it did. Yeah. The entire country would be in, in all kinds of pain if it did. That would have ripple, con ripple uh, um, on consequences for all kinds of things. We can't let it fail. Mm. And not only that, well, you know, if, if you want to make people feel rich, well, not, not the... Not, it's, not, it's more than a third, actually, because it's a third of people um, who, are, who are renting, but there's others that are much newer on the ladder and, mm -hmm. and don't benefit as, as much because they don't have as much equity. But, but either way, you know, it's just sort of like, I'm sorry, guys, but you've got to take one for the team here because this is, yeah. this is going to get me reelected. And it's going to the, – the, the inevitable obvious consequence here is we just – we trend more and more towards the U.S. Mm -hmm. where we just have massively increasing wealth divide. So yeah. Yeah. good for those that have got lots of uh, hard assets. Mm -hmm. uh, awful for those that don't. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Hey, um, let's let's try and cover a bit of company news because it is earnings season. Mate. Yeah, um, we're only 50 minutes. We, in, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're only a third of the podcast. So we're no, I'm kidding. Um, a couple of T's reporting this week. Transurban. And Telstra. Mm. Uh, and a couple of interesting numbers. I, I'm going to very quickly rant about the media treatment of large numbers. Um, Transurban, $2.44 billion, massive, uh, massive numbers. Uh, and of course, we know tolls are generally linked either in whole or in part to the inflation rate. So Transurban's making a mozza because inflation is going up. So I get the retail news angle on this one, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a Transurban shareholder, by the way, but I will say... They made $2.44 billion, right? Truckload of money. Now, they make that because they've got a lot of toll roads. If they had one, you'd make less because you'd only have one toll road. So there's that. But also in, 19, in 2019, they made $2 billion. Now, that's an increase of about 20 odd percent. I'm just going to round my numbers because it's easy. In five years or about 4% a year compounded. So, you know, now we've gone through COVID and stuff, which is why it's taking so long to get back to a record. Um, so I'm going I'm to start by saying they've done pretty well. 
Uh, frankly, I think governments uh, owe the taxpayer an apology for Transurban success because it was purely political arbitrage. Hell yeah. But yes. Transurban themselves, they make a, a decent amount of money, a lot of total dollars, but only 20% more than what they made five years earlier. Um, that's that's an underperforming profit growth for, for a quality listed company. And so, I, yeah, again, not to bag Transurban either. They, they do what they do. They just they, they have roads and people use them or they don't. So, you know, there's only so much you can do with your Transurban to, to grow mm. that number. They, by the way, are expecting things to get better, which makes sense because inflation is going to keep going up or has already. So they get to take the current inflation numbers and put in the next increases. So they've got a, a nice little visibility over, over revenue growth, at least on, on a price basis. You should expand on that a bit just for the listener. Well, why is inflation good? For Transurban. So they... Oh, I'll, uh, now, gonna, this, this, this is why, this is why when, you, when you have a... Uh, you're negotiating with one party yep. who just wants to announce, like cut a ribbon and announce some jobs, yep. right? And you've got another one who's like <laughs> thinking mm-hmm. twenty years into the future. Yes, yes. Right? So let's, let's like go back fifty to times one, right? more economically savvy. And then, and and and, what do you put in your contract to make sure that you've uh, you've got very little risk? So here's here is the complete bastardization of politics has been going on for twenty five, I suppose, years, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, governments say, I want a brand new shiny toll road that I can announce and cut a ribbon on, as you say, Ram. But Jobs. also. But yeah, jobs. But what, what, even more than that, I've also convinced the, the electorate the debt is bad. So I want the road. I can't take on the debt because I look like I've got too much debt then. So that's, that's bad. Uh, and I want a, and jobs and I want the hard hat and the vest and I want to cut the ribbon and make the announcement with 13 people nodding behind me about how clever I am. So what do you do? Well, you find a business. In fact, in fact this business gets created for this purpose, right? Transurban starts as something else, uh, becomes Transurban. Uh, and what they say is, look, I know you want to cut a ribbon this year and I know you don't want to take on debt to do it. So what we'll do is you'll give me, and, and by the way, this is not, Transurban is doing nothing wrong, right? They're taking advantage of market conditions. Uh, they say, you'll give me uh, a 30-year contract, 30-year right to, to run this asset, right? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a private equity firm or I'm a, I'm a fund, so I get the value of long-term investing, I get the value of long-term cash flow. So I'm going to do the maths and say, right, if you want me to build this asset, it's going to cost roughly as much to build. And I'm only going to do it if you give me this much money over that period of time. And the government says, well, I don't want to use debt. And the company says, okay, I've got, I got your problem. What am I going to do? I'm going to get, you're going to charge tolls, or I'm going to charge tolls to your motorist to use the road you've just cut the ribbon for. Mm-hmm. But by the time the tolls go up in three years' time, you'll be out of power. And in 10 or 15 years' time, when tolls go up even further, you won't, they won't remember you. Right? You'll be gone. But in the meantime, you get to be premier for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do this. And now, look, I've got to make this work. And I'll, I'll take a little bit of money up front. That's fine. But if you want me to do this, you're going to have to give me a bit of protection here. I'm going to need to know that my toll is going to go up over time. And I don't trust future governments to let me increase my tolls. Now, I also know you're not going to let me put charge whatever tolls I want because the, the public aren't going to cop that. So what we'll do is we'll increase the tolls. Let's lock in a number. And let's call it inflation. And by the way, they're very different. Each toll road is slightly different in terms of the terminology and the, and the deals. But, you know... The, the earliest one, CityLink in Melbourne, you guys got absolutely screwed because this was the first one before governments realised they were being taken for a massive ride. They got a little bit smarter, not much, but a little bit smarter in the meantime. Uh, we'll link it to inflation. So if inflation is 3%, I get to put my tolls up 3%. You get to say, well, that's the deal we did X years ago, so it's not my fault. And I get to say, what's well, contracted? I get to charge it. So no one's actually responsible for it when the rates go up in 3, 5, 10, 15 years' time. It's going to happen. And when someone says to the, your future, your successor, why are they doing that? You say, well, it's their fault. So hang on. So I get a free road. Yes. I get to cut the ribbon. Yes. 
I don't even have to pay for this. No, no, the, t- the, the driver does. <laughs> okay. So tell me why I don't want to put toll roads all over the city. Oh, no, you well, do. I'm, I'm happy to do that for you. Sydney well, is the most like toll deal. city in the world. And look, I'm not even sure that... The, we can't argue about user pays and who should pay what tolls. And that's a whole different conversation. So the road mm. got, got built. The taxpayer, in some form, either directly or indirectly, pays for it. Mm. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the absolute bastardization of the political process by pollies who get to get all the good stuff and kick them, speaking of Keynesianism, cut the, kick the bad stuff down the road for some other poor bastard to deal with. That's why that happens. So back to your original question, why can tolls increase by inflation? Because past governments promised it in return for a ribbon cutting and a photo and a hard hat. Yeah. Gosh, it's depressing, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, Transurban, I did a bit of a deep dive on them years ago and they're, they're very difficult because you know, it's a stapled structure. It's really complex, actually. Mm. Um, but... The accounting is fascinating as well. A um, friend of yep. mine used to say, you only dig a tunnel once, right? But you mm-hmm. get to sort of depreciate that yeah. for a long time. So there's sort of like what gets reported and there's also like the statutory earnings uh-huh. and then there's the – which and the tax that you pay <laughs> is determined by, you know, revenue minus expenses, but you have all these non-cash depreciation. It's mm-hmm. very complex. It's very complex. But, but So what you want to do when you look at a, a company like this is you want to look yeah. at the cash – you want to look at the dividends. That's mm-hmm. real. You can't fake the dividends, right? Well, can I just quickly though say that? The yep. government changed the law to oh, let yes. these guys pay dividends. You, yes. used to, you used to have to make profits before you pay dividends. But because these things have so much debt and actually don't make any reported accounting profits, yep. they weren't allowed to distribute the dividends. They had massive cash flows and no mm-hmm. accounting profits. Yeah. And so they got the government to change the law so they could make a loss and still pay a dividend. By the way, to do that, what has to happen? If you make a loss, you don't pay any tax. So not, hey. not only are we paying tolls, not only are governments been able to, state governments able to kick the can down the road, the federal government collects no tax on this stuff. Man, a fool and their money are soon parted, right? And Hashtag we know who the fool is in, uh-huh. on, on this. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's why Utopia <laughs> is such a good show. Like, yeah, all comedy so all comedy is oh, based in so truth, good. right? Yep. Like if, if none of that resonated, it would just be weird, right? It's not. <laughs> yeah. Why is that funny? Yep. It's funny because you guys nail it time and time again. And totally. it's not even that far away from, from yep. what's actually sort of sort of happening. Yep. So Absolutely. it's sort of interesting with, with, with Transurb, just to come back to, I mean, Good on them, right? They're they're, oh, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna play their hand, and you know, yep. if you and I had a business, and some idiot politician was gonna give us these great deals, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> like we'll take it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, slightly cynical and slightly kind of you know, at some point they have a an ethical responsibility for the thing they create, but it's also probably true if it wasn't there to be somebody else because the Polish were always going to go for it. Yeah, yeah, and and so I actually think Transurban it's like Sydney Airport. I mean, it's essentially monopoly. It was exactly assets. the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monopoly. They have they have huge amounts of debt, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm usually pretty overt to death. I'm la- I'm more sanguine when it comes to these ones. One because they're backed by very real assets. Two, they're very very long dated, and three, they've got v- extraordinarily reliable cash flows. Mm-hmm. And in fact, cash flows that are that are indexed to inflation and all other kinds of things. So. It's not as risky. If this was an industrial, you know, typical normal company, those debt levels would make you run a mile. It's not, mm. not too bad with this. But I would say with it, I think that I, I don't know if it represents extraordinary value to me. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, in fact, you, you could have bought Transurban in mid-2019 and you've gone site. You've gotten dividends. It's a bond. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, that, and that's the way I usually pitch it to people. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing wrong with them if you want a bond. 
type investment. So very modest sort of capital growth, but you know, a, a regular coupon, that's mm-hmm. okay. But then I sort of look at it, well, with the current yield, so they're not franked and they're not franked because of the structure that they have. And they don't make any profit as well. Three, but, it was 3% franked I read yesterday. Yeah, 3%, it is. Um, so I'm getting a 3.5% oh, yield, Yeah, 3% franked. Mm. Now, okay, mm. we, we, can actually, we can actually look through. That's not reasonable because that's yeah. a backward-looking number. Yep. Yep. And we know that tolls are going to go up. And, you know, so, so the, but, you know, maybe – in fact, let me do that very quickly. It's also, while you're doing that, it's also fair to say that over that four-year period, the share price didn't go up because – Traffic went through the floor, so it's probably not. Yes. It's probably not the right four-year period to look at and say. Therefore, this is indicative, or it was never going to go up. It may very well have, in a different set of circumstances, uh, commuter traffic still not back to where it was pre-COVID. So, it, it, you know, it, it may be the case the future looks a little bit different. But uh, broadly, you're you're 100 right. So let's. <laughs> it's just looking at the forecast page on Comsec here. It's like, wait a second, how's like so the forecast earnings per share for next year is, is eleven cents, but they're gonna pay a fifty-eight cent dividend? What? Oh wait a sec. In EPS in, in twenty twenty four is twenty cents, but they're paying mm-hmm. a sixty they're Correct. paying up three times more in dividends than they're making in profit. It's like back back to your point of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, accounting not shenanigans, but you know no, it's, um, completely, it's completely legitimate, but it's the canon reality that what shouldn't be able to happen is they shouldn't be allowed to pay a dividend from it. Yeah, but but, yeah, again, but here's, and here's the thing, right? Never, as as Paul Keating would say, never bet against self interest. At least you know what's trying. This yes. is the politician said. Well, if we give you this, if we let you link it to inflation, if we let you pay out dividends based on changing the tax law, then yep. will you build our road for us? Yeah. Yes, I will. And yep. by the way, the other thing is, the the cost of that road depends on the tolls collected, right? So, the more the more I let you get away with, the cheaper the tolls can be the happier the, the, the punters are, the tax base gets screwed, but that's someone else's problem. And you can't really ever trace that back exactly. So at yeah. least I look smart. Yep, yep. So, okay, I'm going like, to assume the analysts are right. They, 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 it's bold, perhaps, to say that. <laughs> but, but they're saying on aggregate, so it's a consensus here that- Let's, not they're right. Let's say if they are right. If they are right, okay? If they are right, in 2024, Transurban will pay 62.5 cents in dividends. Yep. So if I buy shares today, mm-hmm. um, I might get a 4.5% yield. Unfranked, so that's a gross amount. I'll, yep. I'll pay um, a whack of tax on them, which is appropriate. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's, you know, if that, just to, the reason I, I, I make that mention, if it was a fully franked dividend mm. and you wanted to do an apples with apples kind of comparison, that would be a 6.5% pre-tax yield. Mm. So, the, you know, <laughs> not, not, listeners of this podcast don't need me to tell you that franking is actually pretty valuable <laughs> for, for shareholders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, there's a whole political discussion around that, but it's not franked uh, <laughs> and it's four and a half percent. Now I can get four and a half percent to term deposit right now. And uh, look, we can talk about risk. Is transurban risky? Probably not that, that risky, mm-hmm. but I would say a government bond is probably less risky if you're going to hold yeah. it to maturity. Right. And, um, uh, it just feels as though so. I'm not going to say this is crazy expensive. Far from mm. it, you know. It's but it's not a bargain either, yeah. right? No, I think that's right. I, I've and, said I've long said like I'd rather have these guys in the banks, but I don't think there's a um, uh, yeah. You're not going. I don't think you'll beat the market with it, will you? I I don't I don't I, th- I think it'll be very tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a time and a place for, for mm. these investments mm. because they are because they are so dependable. When there is big shakeouts on the market mm. and everyone just loses their collective 
stuff. Mines. Um, <laughs> mines, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, things like this get sold off very heavily yes, as well. That's the yes, time sure. you really back up the truck, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I know we're not giving advice on this podcast. And, and I, I think if I had a super account and I was very income focused, yeah. I wouldn't be ditching my holdings far from it. But I just I just think it's it's far from a screaming bargain at this point. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a really, really good income stock as part of a diversified income portfolio. Yeah. Um, and if your income portfolio is 75% banks, this is a great way to diversify away oh, yes. from that stuff. Oh, yes. you know? um, there's, yeah. there's, there's opportunities there. But yeah, I, mate, you're, right. you're 100% right. It's, it's, it's exactly the, the story. Hey, mate, let, let's finish off in a second. We've, we've gone long again. Um, let's quickly talk about Telstra, mate, because this is a business that- Speaking of income? Well, yes. speaking of businesses that were otherwise assumed to be dead and, and ex-growth and that kind of stuff, profit up 13%. Year on year, according to Telstra's mm. announcement released today. Now, after what's been a very, very, very tough um, few years, they, they've really struggled for growth. I, I own some shares still. I've said before, uh, I wouldn't. We sold it from our uh, share advisor service. I still, we still have it in one of our income services. So I, um, I just feel like I shouldn't sell the shares if I'm re- actively recommending it to somebody else. I could disclose it and sell it, but I just I think it's the right thing to do. Um, so I, I'm, I'm talking to both sides of my mouth because of that. Everyone, you need to know I own it, but I also wouldn't buy it today for that sort of growth. Still, um, this is a business that's been trying to get out of its own way for probably the best part of 20 years, mate. And this is, mm. you know, I, <laughs> I'm not going to get into privatizations now because it's way late in the podcast to do that. But um, I, for all Telstra's challenges, it's, it's spent 20 years trying to get out of its own way and cope with massive, massive, massive changes in telecommunications mm-hmm. and technology industries. So I, I reckon this is one of those businesses, frankly, I don't know if you disagree, mate, but I always had a remarkable job to be where it is today, which is actually not very impressive by any other stats, except that if you're in this business and you, ha- you were the monopoly provider, you had a truckload of staff, a crappy corporate culture, and about apparently some you know scores and scores of computer systems and you had to try and modernize this business while you know the old build a plane while flying it thing you had to keep this thing alive you had to make it work you had to you know do all these things um i actually think they've done a remarkable job to where they've got to get to where they've got to but they've had so much stuff to overcome uh, just the the inertia of the current business the changes to technology the the you know removal of i mean no one uses home phones let alone the old copper um, MBL Hopper Network was bought by the MBN. This is a really, really different business. A lot going on. Mm. Uh, I think. I think. I think a pretty good, a pretty good outcome to be where they are. Um, was it twenty two billion dollars of profit on twenty three billion dollars of revenue? They call it total income. They always have it. Just drives me nuts. But it's uh, it's revenue. By the way, speaking of accounting, they have. Um, Massive, massive, massive depreciation because they've got so much in the way of fixed assets. Mm. Um, uh, dividend up 3% year on year. Again, nothing right home about it. Only 17 cents. It's not quite the dividend stock it used to be. I don't know, mate. What are you, what's your, what are your thought on the result on Telstra as a, as a business? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll acknowledge the result in the context of the challenge. Mm. Um, but let's you know, let's be real. The share price is basically where it was in 1998. Right, exactly. You know, it got to eight, it got to nine bucks almost at yeah, one stage. Yeah. I know. will say again, not the company's fault. The share price, you know, the market will do what it does to the share price, which is not the company's fault. So you've got to always yeah. separate those things out. Uh, yeah. But it hasn't it hasn't exactly been the uh, <laughs> the big wealth creation vehicle that some had hoped 20 something oh, years no. ago. I mean, even even in modern times, you know, the return on equity has been steadily falling. The dividend has more or less been unchanged, mm. oh gosh, for four or five years or so mm. now. 
Um, and I think even the most optimistic forecast basically says they might manage to go up another cent or two on the, on the annual dividend mm. over the coming years. And I'm getting a 3.6% fully frank dividend on that. Again, mm. not awful, not yep. awful. Yep. But there's a hell of a lot of questions marks in there. <laughs> That's right. And I'm getting less than I'm going to get in a, in a bond. Like mm-hmm. it's just the, the, one of the core concepts for investing for me well, for anyone, I, th- I think, mm-hmm. is, is the concept of opportunity cost. So if, if we lived in a world where, as an investor, the choice was between Telstra and your emu farm, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm going on Telstra any day of the week, right? Like, it's, 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 yeah. uh, it's yeah. easily the best investment in town. In, an invest- in a world where there's 2,000 listed companies on the ASX. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, there's a, I yeah. mean, it's, it's almost making investment properties look good at this point, you know, and it just... <laughs> Which is saying something. <laughs> that, is, that is that is about as harsh as you can be. Knowing you as our <laughs> listeners do, they all know that's about as harsh as you could possibly be. I just... Brutal. Brutal. I just don't... Brutal. I, I can't see any <laughs> rationale to yeah, hold it yeah, at, yeah. at all. Every now and again, I hear yeah, someone yeah. go, oh, yeah, but I bought it at. And it's like, well, irrelevant, <laughs> irrelevant. The market doesn't know. It doesn't care. The and reality is- it. Yeah, exactly. You can sell it right now and you yep. can put that money into a bond and you'll get the exact same income return yeah. and you'll have much less risk. Mm-hmm. Or I would argue, I mean, there are businesses out there at the moment that are offering you 7 8% grossed up yields that I would say are actually as dependable as, as Telstra. So by having your money locked up in this, you're basically saying, I choose mediocrity. Yes. And, and, and <laughs> each to their own. Which is each fine, to their but own. exactly, that's right. So, so again, I'm not, look, they, yeah. they, it was a different, <laughs> there was a different opportunity set when they held monopoly assets, but they, the MBN co-owns it now. So yeah. it's like, mm. so you don't even yes. have that yeah. going for you. Yeah. And now you've got things like Starlink, which is still relatively new, but I, I'm interested in- So I, I, good, mate. You know? I'm not, I'm not an Elon fanboy at all, as our listeners well and truly know. Starlink is incredible. It's a massive breakthrough. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, 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 there is, and he's not the only one doing that, by oh, the way. Yep. And these, these things are very slow, very expensive to sort of set up. But once mm-hmm. you've got enough of these micro sets whizzing around, it's, it becomes very cheap, very affordable. And it's sort of like, you now got global networks as well. I just, I, I, I'm not saying therefore this is all dead. I'm not uh, uh, at all, but it is like, it is, a, it is in a very fast moving space with a lot of assets that are getting less and less valuable over time mm. that is an increasingly competitive arena that it that it operates in now if you were t- if we were having this conversation i could get a seven percent yield plus franking okay now i'm interested like i don't need a lot to happen there for me to get a pretty decent return in fact i could probably bet on it being flat from an earnings perspective for the next 10 years and still do remarkably well i just make Give me a reason to get interested here. I, 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 can't, I can't for the life of me understand. Maybe the market is agreeing with me because as I look at my screen right now, and as you say, it's the 17th of August, the announcement's just come out and shares are down 3%. So yeah. maybe, maybe, I'm not, maybe it's not such a hot take after all. But um, <laughs> apologies to all the Telstra shareholders. If there's any solace, anytime I sort of badmouth a company, it triples within the next year. So <laughs> That's right. Massive you've got that. Right, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I, mean, I think I think you've nailed it. I think what, what I was going to say is actually you've kind of stolen a bit of my thunder, which is great. Um, the because we're running out of time. The um, uh, I 
think what you know what I what I really would encourage others to do is, is to really think about the business and think about the company's shares. And they're not different things, but they can and should be considered differently and independently. Mm. So I stand by everything I said about as I've said something about Qantas in the past, right? There are some really great you know, that the Allinger has done a great job to keep Qantas in the air, right? It's helped by the government, as you've said last week, I think. Um, Help, helps but, to have uh, friends in high places. Well, but, 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 yes. that's, but that's part of it, right? That this is mm-hmm. so. That's kind of partly what I mean. The, you know, we've we've seen Telstra get through what effectively was you're a monopoly government-owned slow, sleepy telco in a non-changing technological world. Twenty-five years later, it's like, oh my god, you know, to to have done so well. I genuinely think they've done incredibly, incredibly well. Not because I'm a shareholder; it's a very small shareholding, and I, I said I wouldn't own it if I. I'm not trying to push the price up. In reverse, I'd happily sell it. Um, I don't think it's going to beat the market. So, but I think we can say, you know what, this is a this is a business. They've done a remarkably good job to bring this business to where it is. But that's not enough reason. A bit like ethical investing. Again, as we've talked before, and you have a different view. But um, just because a company's good, a, a good citizen, doesn't make it investable. So, so Telstra has done a. I think Telstra has done a very good job. That being said, they don't get you don't you don't make sympathy investments, you know. Hey, great guys, uh, nice work, uh, terrible investment performance, probably not great in the future either. But you've worked really hard, you've done hard. I'll buy shares anyway. That would be a terrible, terrible thing to do. So, you know, as I said, I, I, it's important to recognise management ability for for its own sake. I think there are lessons from that for analysing businesses generally. So, you know, have they done well? Yes. What have they had to do? Okay, this and this and this. Cool. I know more about business now. More about telcos, and that's all good doesn't make it a good investment at all uh and that's exactly why we sold it from share advisor was management doing as best they can this is a very difficult headwind to sail into mm. massively capital heavy business huge changes in in the technological landscape massively price competitive uh you know great legacy business got a lot of people who are just rusted on customers who will never leave and that's great but mm. that's 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 business as usual where's the growth come from to justify a share price i can't find it either so I, i'm a million percent with you mate it's you're absolutely right um, I think it's just really worth remembering that a good business isn't necessarily a good investment. A bad business isn't necessarily even a bad investment, although they generally tend to be. Um, but you've got to look at them separately. Look at the business and then have another look and see whether there's opportunity left. Yep, well said. Will you come back on Friday? You know it. Try and sell me. To it. We have plenty of questions from you, our dear listeners. We will come back on Sunday post Matilda's. Knockout third place playoff game. So, uh, Andrew, I'll look forward to hearing what you thought of, uh, of Saturday night's game when we <laughs> chat again Absolutely. on Sunday morning. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.